Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. What is up, friends? The Helipod is back, and we have a uh, a first here in over a year of existence. We have never talked to a Power Five head football coach, and joining us today is Jed Fish, the new head coach at Arizona. Jed, of course, a longtime NFL assistant, has spent about 15 years in the league, has uh, coached at uh, several big-time universities. His most recent college job was at UCLA uh, before he coached with uh, the Rams on Sean McVay's staff uh, and then moved to New England where he was the quarterback coach in Cam Newton's first year there uh, under Bill Belichick and gets a marvelous opportunity, his first-ever head coaching job at the University of Arizona. And by all accounts, has done a fantastic job there, especially creating a buzz Jed gets into the story of uh, how they came up with the idea to have Gronk set a world record uh, with the longest ball drop there at the stadium there at the University of Arizona. And then uh, he coached the spring game as well. So uh, Jed doing a great job creating a buzz, trying to build that Arizona football program back up. And his origin story is incredible. The guy never played football on on any level, not in high school, not Pop Warner, nothing but decided he wanted to be a football coach. So then went to the university of Florida because he loved the way that Steve Spurrier coached and Spurrier wouldn't hire him forever. I'm talking for like three years and he just pestered him and was leaving notes on his car. He gets into all of that um, kind of life threatening uh, incident with his heart when he was uh, in Houston, which was his first NFL coaching job when he was young, still in his twenties overcame that. Just a great story. Jed Fish, uh, a friend uh, and the new head coach at the University of Arizona on the latest Helipod starting right now. As promised here with uh, Jed Fish, new head coach at Arizona. And Jed, I, I have to admit, man, I missed when this initially happened and saw it a couple of days later and I said, what is going on here? Jed's the new head coach at Arizona. I, I had no idea. You know, I didn't expect you to be in New England forever. I know the coaching nomad lifestyle that you bounce around a bit. But but how did this come about? Were you you were a candidate the last time around there? Yeah, I was. Uh, thanks for having me on. By the way, sure, man, excited to be here and talk to you and uh, revisit. Um, but I would say, what well, you know, it was one of those deals when I was coaching at UCLA in 2017. Became the interim head coach there. 
interviewed for the Arizona job back at that time. Um, they went on and they hired Coach Sumlin. I went to the Rams. That's when we got connected again. Then I went to uh, New England and then had a chance. The job reopened in December and I got a phone call the probably a Sunday mor- morning after the Arizona State game or maybe the Sunday afternoon and um, kind of gouged my interest a little bit. And then really nothing for about a week went ahead and went about our business, played the Dolphins that Sunday and the Saturday before the game, got a phone call saying they wanted to have a Zoom call Monday and hired me Tuesday. That it's amazing how quickly that stuff happens, man. Um, I, I talked about it a little bit in the intro. Your uh, coaching history, more than two decades as a coach. Um, you know, on the college level, I, I'm probably leaving somebody off here, but you, you've spent 15 seasons in the NFL. Um, but on the college level, you've coached at Miami, Michigan, UCLA, and in Minnesota. Did I get that? Yeah, right? that's right. That's exactly right. Yeah, I so, was uh, the offensive coordinator at Minnesota in 2009. Um, and, uh, that was after the Broncos and then Pete Carroll got hired in Seattle and I got a call to come join his staff and I just couldn't turn it down. It was a, you know, year one deal. And it was the chance to be with Pete watching him build the program from the ground zero. And it was a dream come true. But, um, after that year, Miami called and the university of Miami, you grow up in New Jersey and you kind of always know about the U, you know, in the nineties and yeah, I'm 40 five now so you think about when we were growing up as kids i mean the u was the u and it was crazy and wild and a chance to go be the offensive coordinator down there was was a great opportunity and went there for a few years um then went over to jacksonville as their coordinator and then um went to michigan and ucla so i've had a great you know a good opportunity to be at four different universities all pretty big ones um all as their coordinator but this is obviously a dream come true to be the head coach and you've been there five months now, as any college football fan knows, recruiting is the lifeblood of, of any great football program. So I'm sure the minute you got hired, you dive headfirst into that and you're, you've been on Twitter. You're like the meme guy. Now I'm watching all your tweets come out, which I love because in the NFL, you guys probably monitor that a little bit, but you yeah. have to, you have to be in the deep end of the pool when you're a college head coach, right? Yeah, I think that I went from, uh, I think I had zero tweets in three years to uh, three tweets a minute the first couple of weeks. So <laughs> it was definitely a little bit different. Um, but, you know, it's been head first all the way. Uh, first of all, when I got here, I got here after the first signing period. So they signed 16 players upon before I arrived on campus and uh, with the old staff. And those were all uh, – NLIs. So they were all part of the program. And then now we went ahead and we signed 11 transfers and that's kind of been our approach. And then we signed two high school players. So we wound up taking the 13 and I guess they had 15 and made our 28 number. And that was really based upon trying to attack the transfer portal in that short time. So it was wild and crazy in January. Uh, Man, it was, it was nonstop. So the transfer portal is so important for a, a, first time head coach, because you can get a huge injection of talent when they transfer in. And I, I believe you have a, a quarterback coming in from USF, right? Jordan McLeod. Yeah. So we actually have uh, Jordan McLeod coming in June one. And then we also brought in Gunnar Cruz from Washington state. So two out of our three quarterbacks that are competing to be our starter 
are both transfers. One transferred in for spring ball, one's transferring in in June. So we have a pretty good battle going. Um, and two out of three guys weren't on the roster. And then you start looking around the roster and we, we took a, we have a corner from Notre Dame. We have a defensive end that was at Colorado. We have a couple players from Northwestern. I mean, tight end from UNLV. It's crazy. Um, but guys want to come back to Arizona. A lot of them are from Arizona. Uh, we just signed a linebacker that was at Wisconsin that was from Arizona. So it's a pretty cool deal being able to bring these guys back to the state, back to the West Coast. And I think it gives us a chance to be competitive pretty quick. What were a couple of the pillars when you get there? Obviously, recruiting is number one, first and foremost, right? But you say, hey, we do these two other things. We're going to start winning pretty soon. Yeah, well, I talked about from the very beginning, it's all about respect and accountability for our team. And what we have to do is we have to respect the game and respect the university and respect the our teammates and really build our program off of that. And if we respect what we're trying to get accomplished and we respect the, the old, we, we kind of look, you know, I like talking about our team about going back to the future. So we went back and we hired Teddy Bruschi and we hired Chuck Cecil and we hired Ricky Hundley and we hired Brandon Sanders and we hired Sinjic Steptoe, five former players, three that were on Desert Swarm. And we wanted to go back, but we always want to talk about the future. We always want to talk about how can we take our program to another spot. And then we talk about accountability. And we need to be more accountable than we've ever been. We have to have a mindset and a mentality of everything we do, we're going to be accountable to one another and to our teammates. Well, I, I've noticed you've done a pretty good job in terms of creating the buzz, not only on social media, but the bringing Gronk back was everywhere. I, you know, ESPN.com, CBS Sportsline, Sports Illustrated. It was a headline on every single site to set the Guinness Book of World Records for, for biggest ball drop or whatever you guys called it. But that was brilliant. Wh whose, whose idea was that? Well, you know what it was, Dan? We were real lucky that we had uh, some alumni that wanted to get involved and really help kind of get them brand back. And uh, non-football alumni. Uh, we've got guys that are heads at uh, WME and heads at uh, Netflix. And I've been meeting with them and talking to them. And we came up with a plan of bringing in our own production company. And uh, Cam Newton, who I coached in New England, as you know, um, used this company. And this was a company that he used when he set a couple of Guinness records with Dude Perfect. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we said, well, how, what can we do that we can get ourselves, um, you know, back on back talked about and positive energy and people feel like, you could have fun competing. That's a Steve Spurrier line, you know, and have fun while you're doing this. And they came up with the idea of the highest ball drop. And we said, well, no, no one better to catch it than Gronk. Like, I don't care who you, I don't care what school you should pay Gronk to be the be to be a part of your alumni base. And we get fortunate enough to have him as an Arizona uh, wildcat. So we brought him back for the first time in nine years and had him on campus. He coached our spring game. And he caught the ball and it was, it was a fun special day for our players. It was so smart. I didn't realize the part about uh, you bringing in a production company to help with that, which is actually really smart too. And tapping into the, the alumni, no matter where they are, influential alumni obviously helped build the program, but welcoming back former players is something that I don't feel like enough coaches do. You know, you went to Florida, I went to Tennessee and we've, you know, since Lane left, we have run through our share of head coaches at, at Tennessee and some kind of tap into that alumni database and bring guys back and say, come and be on the sideline for spring games. And some don't. 
I don't understand why more don't do that. I think that's something you've done that's been brilliant. Hiring Teddy has been awesome. And the other thing you did is obviously your contract is, you know, public record. You can just tap into that and look at it. Is your your pool, your salary pool for assistant coaches was higher than your predecessor by a good amount, which allows you to bring in better guys. Was that something that was really important to you when you did your deal? Yeah, it was a huge part to me. It was actually probably the number one thing that we talked about the most. And, you know, you get into a situation and you say, and you know, it was so interesting. My wife, you know, she's sitting there listening to me on these conversations, right, on the day of the job being offered. And she's like, why are you asking for anything? Just say yes. Just say yes. <laughs> that sounds like my wife. <laughs> this is what you've wanted to do your whole life. Now, why are, why are you coming back with things? And I'm like, because we can't be successful unless we get great assistant coaches. Like that, that's the key to the whole thing. The key to the whole thing is your staff. The key to the whole thing is to be able to put a program out there that you're able to be proud of and that you're able to be able to kind of build and develop players and recruit players. And it's, it's not about me. It's about everyone else surrounding um, our program. So it was a huge part of our discussion. Um, I wanted to make sure that we were able to be very competitive in that. And I appreciate Dave Hickey and Dr. Robbins, our president, to make that happen. So I was reading up on you, obviously, and what you've been doing over the last five months. And in an article that just came out in the last day or so, um, it, it says this. It's already been five months that Arizona football head coach Jed Fish has been on the job here in Tucson. And thus far, he had the daunting task of turning around a program from repairing the culture to improving the talent and depth. He has done a tremendous job thus far. However... I got to give you the however, uh, as good as the offseason has been for fish, ultimately what matters most is putting together wins and DraftKings has set the over under for Arizona wins this year at 2.5. So the bar is low, Jed. Yeah, the bar is low. Um, and I, you know, what do they say? It's everything after the butt that matters, right? Exactly. After the however matters. So, and you know, we remind our team that all the time. I said it, like the marketing program comes to a screeching halt here pretty soon. And we actually start with the football program. And what we need to do is we need to embrace, you know, the fact that it's now about winning and it's about doing it right on and off the field. And it's about establishing a program that can, you know, we, we talk about a, a program for sustained success. We don't want to just have short-term wins and then kind of be like an echocardiogram. You know, we want to kind of go like this. And for us to be able to do that, we understand that we're behind the eight ball right now. We've had a 718 days without a victory. And um, we need to find a way to start getting some wins. And we recognize that. And we got an opportunity to do it September 4th. And, and then if we can't do it on the 4th, we do it on the 11th and, and so on and so forth. But uh, we expect to win games. We expect to compete. And uh, we're looking forward to it. How do you set that realistic bar for the first year? Do you, do you tell players, Hey, we, our goal is to make a bowl game or is it just to win as many games as possible? Our goal is to play as well as we possibly can play. And that's our goal. And that's what we talk about. Well, you know, let's play as well as we possibly can play. Let's see what happens. Let's see what the final score is, right? The score will take care of itself. You know, that famous book that Bill Walsh wrote. And that's so true, right? I mean, the score, if we go out there and we play smart, tough, physical football, if we don't make mistakes, if we don't hurt ourselves, if we learn how to um, not lose football games and not penalties and not have a bunch of turnovers, we got a chance. And that's really the ultimate goal. And uh, we start doing that and things start working.
working for us, and uh, we'll start winning some football games. I really believe that. Do you find it difficult to not read about yourself now that you're in this position, which you've never been in before? You've never – you were interim head coach for a couple games at UCLA, but you've never been a head coach. So certainly this is the most attention that you've received uh, in your career. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> hey that's an honest answer and i wish more people would say that sure you know it is difficult it is difficult to not want to know what people are saying it is difficult to not want to under not want to you know talk about what's going on in our program i look at it more in, in a matter of right now it's our job to promote our program the best way we can and to give as much positive and shed as much positive light as we can and whatever you know people write about me personally positive and negative the second it's a positive it's you know there's going to be followed up by a negative so it, it is going to be what it is um but yeah i think that it's always a challenge when you're in this position for the first time that you realize that oh my god there are people writing something every single day that you you have to actually it's it's not as hard for me not to look at it it's hard for people not to send them to me right. i actually have a <laughs> google block on articles that are coming in from my friends that uh, think it's funny to uh, rip on me and all those other good things. Well, so who was the first friend to send you the CBS article that ranked the 65 power five head coaches? Uh, <laughs> Shane Beamer. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so one guy ranked below you out of the 65. That's hilarious. Oh my no, God. I'm kidding. Uh, no, uh, there was, uh, no, nobody. Uh, I think, I think my brother sent it to me or someone, but it, you know, it is what it is. I think, um, you know, Shane's one of my closest friends. I had a good laugh, um, that, you know, he and I, but you know, we've never co we've never been head coaches before. Um, you know, that's kind of the, the tradition in that articles, you know, in those articles that if you're a first time head coach, they don't want to give you very high numbers. Sure. That's okay. Um, I watch what he's doing all the time and I think he's doing an incredible job. Um, he's absolutely killing it at South Carolina right now. And, um, I think that hopefully, uh, both of us will be able to move up that uh, scoreboard here each year. You strike me as somebody who probably grew up with bulletin board material and stuff, you know, pinned the closet door and motivational quotes and even saw something about how you kept a copy of John Gruden's football resume taped to your medicine cabinet in the bathroom. Is that, is that still up there? No, it's not up there anymore. I think I'm one of the last moves, maybe a few, few moves ago, my wife's tired of looking at John Gruden uh, in the bathroom. <laughs> so um, we got to remove that at some point in time over the years, but you know, it's always you, you. We talk in our program about we have a we have a saying that we all speak on all the time, and it's called "It's personal," and that's something that we've taken great pride in as a program. And um, it's kind of it's all over our walls and all over our you know weight room and meeting rooms. And really, the mentality is this: like you could make personal everything, right? You could have relationships that are personal. You could care about one another, but there's also a chip on your shoulder, and uh, we take it pretty personal when. You know, people think we might only win two games and we take it pretty personal and people question what we're doing. And uh, we're looking forward to being a, uh, a pretty tough out on everybody's schedule. Time for a quick break to tell you about a couple of our sponsors. The first is Greens Plus, a leader since 1989, known for creating the first ever blended green superfood powder and the first company to infuse that green superfood powder 
into a bar. Greens Plus bars and powders are the best tasting, most effective way to improve your immunity, detox your body, boost your energy, and get that nutritional insurance that your body needs from organic, gluten-free, premium green superfoods. You can get it at Whole Foods, Amazon, or greensplus.com. We're going to give you free shipping and 20% off today if you use the promo code HELLY. That's greensplus.com. Also wanted to tell you about VACO. That's V-A-C-O. At VACO, they invest in your career, so you are here for the duration of theirs. VACO is a premier talent and solutions firm that provides boutique-level service with global reach in the areas of consulting, consultative project resources, executive search, permanent placement, and strategic staffing. Areas of expertise include C-suite search, accounting, finance, technology, healthcare IT, operations, administration, and international managed services. Founded by my good buddy, Brian Waller, and a couple of his friends. In 2002, Vaco has grown to serve over 40 markets across the globe. They have 1,000 employees, 5,000 consultants, and $750 million in revenue. Check them out at Vaco.com. That's V-A-C-O.com for more info on how Vaco connects people to their dream jobs and helps leading companies find talent to grow their businesses. I have to get into your story about how you got into coaching because the headline always with Jed Fish is that he never played football, not Pop Warner, not high school, not college. He was a tennis player, a good tennis player at that, right? Scholarship offers coming out of high school. Decent. I can't remember because we, we kind of ran in somewhat the same circles when you were here in the LA area. Did you play tennis out here? At the, yeah, yeah, I played over at the uh, Manhattan Club. Okay, all right. Um, so still, still playing tennis every now and then. But you, you decided you wanted to be a football coach when you were in high school, which is why you chose Florida and Steve Spurrier and that program to go there as a student, right? Yeah, actually, you know, I grew up and um, probably when I was 1986, 1987. So when I was 10 or 11 years old, um, I was a ball boy at Bergen Catholic High School. Uh, my mom's boyfriend at the time was the head football coach there. And we were at Bergen Catholic. We were at Hackensack. We were at West Essex and um, won a bunch of games. We were in a couple of state championships in a row. And I was like, this is awesome. You know, this is just awesome. And like going to football camps, you know, doing all the things. But I kind of grew up always playing tennis. My dad was a college tennis player. It was kind of what we did. Uh, but I love the idea of being in the you know, in the trenches, in the sidelines, kind of the strategic aspect of it. So as the years went on, I, I really started thinking to myself, you know what, I want to do this for a living. And um, my senior year, my my father said to me, my dad's like, hey, Jed, where are you going to go to college? And I said, uh, Florida. And now at this point, I was in New Jersey and I didn't apply to Florida or anything. And he's like, and why is that? And I said, well, uh, I got to I'm going to go coach football. And he's like, and Steve Spurrier is where you want to be because he knows how much I love Coach Spurrier. I'm like, that's right. So I applied to school there, thought it'd be easy to start working in the football office. Things, things are a lot different, you know, back then, as you know, than they are now. Now we have like, I think I have like uh, 40 people that work in our football office. Back then we had like 14 and it was, um, it was a lot of no's. There was a lot of no's early on. There was, no, we don't have a spot open. No, we don't have student assistance. No, we don't have an equipment manager job open. So I, I took to coaching high school 
in Gainesville. Uh, I was coaching at PK Young High School, and I took to writing letters to Coach Burrier. And I took to leaving notes on his car and coming up with ideas and trying to meet him as he left the building. You know, nowadays you'd be arrested for stalking. <laughs> it was, uh, in 1994, things were a little bit looser back then. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and uh, thank God. So I uh, wound up after a long time, over a year, uh, finally, I got to meet with him face to face. And, you know, I, I was able to work the 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. shift with no one <laughs> there and uh, started making photocopies and started doing things. You know, he never used a computer. So I started taking the call sheet and typing it up, things that he never did before. And um, he started liking it and was able to kind of keep me around. And as he'll say, you know, I just hung around, hung around, hung around until finally he had to hire me and uh, for him. And then from there, everything kind of worked out pretty well. Yeah. And, and from, from there, you, um, you go to the Texans, right. With Dom Capers when they were starting as a brand new franchise and because of, how diligent you were and how well you worked out for coach Spurrier, the old ball coach recommended you to Dom. And that was um, kind of the, the beginning of your, of your NFL run. Obviously you went back and forth between uh, college and the pros. Uh, but I, I had forgotten this about your health issues there. Um, yeah. It was a, it was a heart issue, right? Right. So I was at uh so what happened, I, I got uh, the Texans, Started their franchise. Dom Capers became the head coach. He was coaching in Jacksonville. He called up Coach Spurrier because we were an hour away, asked for a recommendation of a guy that, you know, worked for close to free. I was that candidate. Um, Got the job, went there, spent two years there, a year without football, where we were building a franchise. I got to sit next to Dom Capers every single day for a year, which was incredible. Then the second year, we hired Vic Fangio, the head coach of the Broncos. Uh, now and I was his quality control coach and going into the third year I was out on a run and I had a uh, very sharp pain in my back which ended up being an aortic dissection and I had an aneurysm and my entire aorta uh, dissected and rushed to the hospital and had a couple three surgeries in a three and a half week span and um, was on a uh, couple life support systems and uh, thank god I was in Houston and thank God I had the team doctors that were looking out for me. And, and I mean, that you were, you were close to going. It was a, it was a big, a big tear, right? Like it was like 90% oh, yeah. torn. Oh yeah. As my doctor said, you know, it's a, if it was a fine line between life and death, my line was dental floss. That's incredible. So and, it was, yeah. Everybody always talks about something like that change in perspective, you know, did, did it really do that for you? I think what it did for me, Dan, the most, you know, I would say that it just inspired me to just keep work harder because you don't ever know how long you got. Like, I didn't go with the I'm just going to chill because you don't know how long you got. I was more into the, hey, I mean, if it can be taken away this quick, then just give it everything you have every single day. And I just love to work and I love football and I love what I get to do every day. And I try to just pour it into my players and our coaches and hopefully it'll turn out good. But, you know, my whole perspective on it is after you have what happened to me, happened to me, you just look at it and say, just give it everything you have every day and pour it into them. And hopefully it'll come back and pay dividends. 
Well, I, I love where you ended up. And I, I love looking at the list of guys you worked for. Before I let you go, um, I mean, this is, I mean, you're talking Hall of Famers on this list. Um, I'm going to name a coach that you work for. And I just want you to give me a word or a couple of words that describe them. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's start with, with the old ball coach, Steve Spurrier. Competitor. Uh, just an awesome competitor. Brian Billick, my former coworker at NFL Network. Brilliant. He, he, he is, he's a smart one. And by the way, back in the day, he would tell you how brilliant he was, <laughs> according to everybody around him. I can't tell you that there's a person that I enjoyed chopping it up with more at NFL Network than Brian Billick. He yeah, was delightful. I- I can't tell you how much Coach Billick means to our, our family. I mean, I've been to both of his daughter's weddings. I mean, we we are super close as a family. We I love Brian. Brian was like a truly – my dad passed away when I was coaching for Brian, um, and Brian has always been a father figure to me, and I, I, I think the world of him. I think he's awesome. Yeah, he's phenomenal. Another guy that I knew very well when I when I covered uh, the Redskins, when they were the Redskins, was, was Mike Shanahan. Tell me about Mike Shanahan a couple words. Oh, man. Uh, detailed and just a great leader. I mean, he's a great leader. He's got such great command and of his program and of his team. And I try to emulate, I would say of all the things that we try to do, I try to do the most of what Mike did. Pete Carroll. Fun, energetic, and um, the perfect, the perfect college football coach. Like, I mean, what else could you ask for? The just, I hired his son to be our offensive coordinator. Um, and I just, I, I love Pete. I think he's, I mean, he's a, he's a great football coach and he's got great passion and energy. Jim Harbaugh. Tough old school football. Like just, you, is it, you know, you get better playing football. You get better being a football by playing football. Um, you know, there is only thing is football and, he loves it. He is genuine as can be. My Jim Harbaugh story. Uh, one of my good buddies went to high school with him. We were at, uh, in Carmel, right outside of Pebble Beach, at a very, very high-end charity event. And Jim is good buddies with you know my friend, high school buddies. And we're sitting on a couch together. And I look over. And the next thing I know, he has this huge chaw in and a spitter right in the oh, yeah. middle of this. I mean, we're like a $25 million mansion. And he's spitting yeah. into a plastic bottle. That is Jim Harbaugh. It's good that it wasn't a glass. It's good that it was a plastic <laughs> bottle. Yeah, good point. He could have been using a wine glass. Easily. What about uh, what about Bill Belichick? You had the opportunity to work in New England last year. Um, I would say my greatest mentor. Uh, I'd say that he's... He's everything that football is about. He's believes in smart, tough, physical program. And he's just, he, I think the world of coach Belichick uh, forever. It was a privilege to work for him uh, for a short period of time, but I've known him for a very long period of time. He's, he is the same person every single day. And I, the is authenticity would be the number one word that I would use to describe it. You know, it's interesting having the opportunity to have uh, talked with him away from the camera with people like Willie McGinnis, who, you know, he thinks very highly of. Yeah. It's so different than seeing him, seeing the, the, the bill that everybody sees in the press conferences, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he, I, he is one of the more enjoyable people to talk to and storytellers. And I wish more people could see that side of him. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I just, 
I always say, you know, they're being around him is it's every day. It was a privilege. Every single day. It was a privilege to be around him every day. Sean McVay, uh, you worked for him a couple of years in, in LA. He he's a, a friend of mine. I've known him since he first got into the NFL with Washington way back in the day. And I'm always curious because you were, and still are, by the way, uh, a young head coach, but you were the, a young up and comer, you know, young OC in Jacksonville. Yeah. And then McVay set the bar higher or lower, however you want to look at it in terms of age, right. In terms of getting the head coaching job when he did, how does he, how does he manage to, to manage other people who are older and players who are almost his age as well as he does. I mean, Sean's special. I'm going to spend the weekend with him this weekend um, down here and he's special and he's um, he has an engaging personality like none other. He recognizes the importance of people. He talks all the time about you compete with schematics, you win with people um, he, he would be the epitome of the best communicator. Um, I've been around, he, he's an all world communicator. There's all pro there's all conference. This guy's all world. He's as good of a communicator because he listens as much as he talks and he recognizes, um, what you need and what he needs and how to work it together. And Sean, you know, Sean threw me a lifeline, um, at, you, you know, when we were at UCLA and i and, you know, they wound up hiring Chip and not me. And it was late in the game. And, you know, there was different things going on. And Sean's like, don't worry, come here. And I uh, didn't have to move my family. And um, he created a position for me. And then, obviously, we went to the Super Bowl and, and then um, stayed on there and uh, created a different position for me. And uh, he's a very, very close friend. And I, I just respect his football and him as a person so much. Did you know him well before that? Because I remember that time you, you were here um, and, you know, wondering what you're going to do. And, and that was perfect. Right. Cause as, as much yeah, as you have was, to move it, around to have yeah. three years in one place, it's kind of nice for the family. Yeah. Couldn't have been more perfect. Um, yeah. I've known Sean for a long time. Uh, I worked for Mike Shanahan in 2008. He was at the bucks with Kyle at that time. Then right. we were both at our, you know, then we were kind of both doing the same offense. I was a coordinator at Jacksonville. He was in Washington. We played each other. We've always been friends. We've always spent time together. When I was at Michigan, he came and worked our football camps uh, as a counselor. Uh, you know, we had one, one football camp that McVay, LaFleur, Dow Loggins, Jay Cutler, they were all good. Uh, Scott Turner. I had them all. And it was awesome. So uh, Sean's always been a good friend, but for, uh, for what he did in 2018, I will uh, be forever indebted. Yeah, great dude. All right, last question before we let you go. Uh, one NFL question. You're with camp for, for that one season um, in New England. Biggest biggest challenge last year for you with Cam, and, and how do you envision things going for him this year? Well, first I'd say that uh, Cam is absolutely like the greatest guy ever to coach. I mean, he works his tail off. The biggest challenge we had was, you know, he got COVID in the middle of the year and he also, uh, we didn't, you know, have him to work with because it was a crazy COVID year until July 28th or whatever the number was. So he didn't have an off season, but uh, I'm hoping, uh, I'm hopeful that Cam has a fantastic year. He's, uh, he's extremely uh, lovable guy. He's got all the talent in the world and he's got Josh working with him. So he couldn't be uh, more fortunate to have Josh and Bill that I think he's going to have a great year. 
Well, looking forward to seeing that. Jed, I'm going to let you go. You gave me much more time than I anticipated. I really appreciate it. Good luck in Arizona. Uh, I have a lot of Arizona buddies here, so I may show up on your doorstep in Tucson at some point and come to a You're game. You're more than welcome. You're more than welcome. Thank you, my friend. I'll talk to you soon. Say hi to McVeigh for me. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate you, buddy. Take care. All right. See you, man.